I've made some discoveries in my trips to Canada. Uh, I'm from Minnesota, which may, maybe some of you have never heard me speak. How many of you have never heard me speak or watch me paint? Raise your hand. Just put it up high so I can see it and make you feel awkward. I'm from Minnesota, um, which is technically part of Canada, and I have started to make these discoveries in all of my trips uh, with certain places, certain people, certain foods especially. Like in Montreal, you don't say the T, do you know that? Montreal, that's just how they say it. I don't even know what they say some of the time, but Montreal. Anyway, uh, there's a place called uh, Schwartz Smoked Meat. Uh, that place will change your life. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, that was, that was good. That was two weekends ago. And then um, this weekend here uh, in Winnipeg, I, I, I got to eat one of Penny's cookies. <laughs> and I was like, dear Lord, where have I been? And where have these been my entire life? They're amazing. Uh, a year ago, I was in uh, Ontario, and I made a discovery, a food discovery. Um, maybe this is two years ago now, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, I made a food discovery, and there's something about food that works. There's a study of food combinations. D do you know why uh, certain foods taste well together? It's the same reason certain colors go well together. There's a study of this. Like when you're doing art or you're going to paint something, there's a color wheel, there's complementary, and there's different colors that just work, and then there's red pants that Jerry wears, and they just, they work on a different level. <laughs> the same applies to food. There's this study, a, a color wheel, if you will, of food, and it's called trophology. It's the study of food combinations. That's why some stuff just tastes well to the palate. It's Topology. People figure this out. Um, th now, they miss the mark once in a while, like when you're eating all-dressed potato chips. I'm just saying I could live without those. Um, but my point is simply this. Each of us have different ways of interpreting food, but there is a study of food combinations. It's called topology, and I made a discovery because we all know that some things are just better together especially when it comes to food. Some things are, say it with me, better together. Say it one more time. Some things are better. Okay, come on, Soul Sanctuary. Some things are better Yeah, like, like food and like me in this apron Penny gave me. And just for social media purposes, I'm going to put this on. Jerry, would you zip me up? I feel like I'm flying, Jack. It's all good, man. I feel like I'm flying. Now, I've got to be able to take this off because there's no way I'm preaching in this mess all the time. Okay, that's a little tight. Okay, that's good, Jer, please. Penny, um, <laughs> I just, I just want to say to the kitchen crew, I'm sorry for taking the cookie dough cookies off the tray, but this is cruel. We know that fries are good. These are hot, salted, fresh fries. We know that fries are, are, are good by themselves. The discovery I made is fries are not just good by themselves. Fries are actually uh, better together with, with hot brown gravy. Uh, you know 
that kind of great, oh wow, that's sketchy. You know, when you really look at it that way, it just doesn't seem so better together. And then you don't just take fries, you don't just take gravy, but this thing I discovered that you all know, and it's not shredded cheese, by the way, that's not how you make poutine. It's real cheese curds, and you, extra cheese curds, and then you find one like this, and it's like, hallelujah, hallelujah, gold rush. And you make it up, and you make poutine, and you mix this mess up. Oh, man. That's a big cheese curd <laughs> with gravy and fries. And there's a reason why this tastes good, because it's tophology, and it's crazy. <laughs> but some things are better, what? Together. together. Some things are better together. So if I was going to ask who wants some fresh, hot, beautifully made poutine, oh, look at the front row. <laughs> you guys are like, oh, I want it right now. Put it in my mouth, Eric. There you go. Um, anybody else would like a little poutine? Um, you know, Pastor Jerry, could you come up here real quick and just serve. just serve a few people? Yeah, we 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 just know how much you love to do this. Just, you, yes, you're welcome. You. Um, some things are better together. It's not just in food that we see this. We actually see this in nature as well. Some things are better together. Now, in nature, in the plant kingdom. Uh, there are literally 80% of all plant species um, have a relationship called a symbiotic relationship. So it's not just with food that some things are better together. Plants exist on this earth because some things are what? Oh, come on. Some things are what? better together. 80% of the plants on this earth are better together. In fact, there are plants, you're not going to want to eat that fork. Um, There are plants now that depend on other plants for survival. If it didn't have that plant, it wouldn't survive because some things are better together. That's a load. All right. You know what? Uh, Where's a junior higher or like a high school student? Okay. Keep calm. Here's your weapon of destruction. Wait. (laughs) Pastor Jerry, you can sit down, bro. I want to tell you something about God's blessings. (laughs) When you pray for stuff, I just realized I'm still wearing that apron. All right. Here's God's blessings to you. And you don't have to share, but you should. Let me just undress here awkwardly for you all. In the plant kingdom, 80% of plants rely on other plants for survival. There's a scientific term called symbiotic. It's symbiosis is actually the technical term. And that's a Greek word for unlike organisms living together because some things are what? Some things are, are better together. It's not just in the plant kingdom that we see this. It's in the animal kingdom we see this. There's, um, there's a bird called the oxpecker. Turn to your neighbor and say, oxpecker. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, oxpecker. There's a, there's a bird called the oxpecker, 
And there's a symbiotic relationship with rhinoceroses and zebras, different animals that this bird lives on. While these animals have ticks and other um, insects that burrow into the hide, and the oxpecker needs an easy source of food. So the oxpecker literally lives and rides in the back of these rhinoceroses and these zebras and other animals, and it eats the ticks, it eats the bugs off of the animal, and the oxpecker gets a meal, and the animal gets rid of its ticks. It's, it's this symbiotic relationship because some things are what? Uh, you're sleeping. Some things are what? Uh, there is, um, there's an ant called a meat ant. And there's this little bug called a leaf hopper. Now these ants are gnarly looking creatures. And they eat everything. And they're the things that you see in the Amazon that go in the big rows and they consume like massive amounts of stuff that falls on the forest floor. Well, these leaf hoppers are a very defenseless uh, creature. They don't have a, they don't have a defense mechanism. There, there's a beetle that God made. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you're here for the first time if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, but I want to tell you that God made you. He, he made you. He made us. He made everything that we see. God is the creator. He made this beetle called the bombardier beetle, and it's absolutely hilarious. I'm watching the Discovery Channel. They show this beetle on a branch. It's just chilling. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, what a beetle, <laughs> I'm a beetle, okay? I don't know. Uh, and this bird comes in. They slow it all down in super slow motion. The bird's just like, <sighs> okay, that was a bad bird. Um, if you're ever in your backyard and you hear that, run, because that's, that's a pterodactyl. Um, <laughs> this beetle's got this defense mechanism, these two chambers in the back side of the beetle, the thorax, the, the posterior, the rear of this beetle has got these two specialized chambers. His butt's got two cavities, people. And these chemicals that are inside of there are very volatile once they put together, like two-part epoxy, only this stuff explodes, and this beetle can shoot fire out of its butt. <laughs> and God made this beetle this way. It's like, you know what we need on earth? He's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's talking to himself. <laughs> A beetle that can shoot fire out of its butt. Genius. <laughs> Anyway, this bird comes in, the beetle mixes up the chambers, and the, the physics behind it are unbelievable. Uh, it, it shoots fire at this bird's face, the bird's like, <laughs> tries to fly away, and that's how they make chicken wings um, <laughs> in some restaurants. But this beetle has got a defense mechanism. This leaf hopper, this bug, this little tiny um, like insect on that branch, he's defenseless. But the meat ants... The meat ants need this special, special sucrose and, and, and glucose um, for their nest and for their food. Well, well guess what the, guess what the uh, leafhoppers, um, guess what they poop? Uh, sugar. And that's the secret ingredient in Penny's cookies. <laughs> Sorry, Penny, I told him I was going to tell, but then the apron, and then I... The leaf hopper actually like rids itself of this special sucrose that the, that the meat ant needs. And so the meat ant protects the leaf hopper, doesn't eat it, doesn't let anything else eat it, lets it live unlike organisms living together in a symbiotic relationship. The leaf hopper needs the meat ant and the meat ant needs the leaf hopper because some things are what? Together.
There's a famous uh, symbiotic relationship in nature. Uh, you might have seen this movie, uh, Nemo and the sea anemone. An anemone. Do you know why that works like this? It's, it's absolutely amazing, the, the science behind it. The sea anemone, the anemone, uh, has these tentacles that sting much like a jellyfish, this neurotoxin that enters its prey. It sort of lulls it to sleep. It also then can um, catch these just free-floating um, particles in the water, but this clownfish has got this special skin. Uh, this clownfish is covered in this special skin that allows it to live inside of this animal that would kill other animals. The clownfish can live inside of it. Symbiotic relationship in nature because some things are what? Better together. I mean, we, we see it in food. We see it in the animal kingdom. We see it in the plant kingdom. We even see it in the Bible. I mean, you can read about a Bible, um, you can read in the Bible, rather, in a hotel drawer. If you don't have a Bible, talk to somebody and we'll get you one. Or I say it all the time. Take it out of the hotel you stay at. They'll replace it. Genesis 1.25, God makes the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind, and he sees all of he made, and he says it is good. Well, then chronologically, if you... Uh, read the Hebrew poetry in chronological order, not in chapter order, you technically would have um, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 18 kind of put into this place after he makes man. Um, he makes us, uh, by the way, guys, by forming us from dirt and blowing breath into the dirt. And, and, and wives and ladies, that's, that's really no fault to us that we're, we're hot air dirt balls. <laughs> so that's just, that's just food for thought for you girls. Uh, that's kind of how we're made, sorry. <laughs> he makes man in his image, and then uh, he says in verse 18, chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So 125, he says it's good, and then he changes, he changes the cadence he says, wait a second, it's good, but it's not good for this, this creation to be alone because some things are, are better together. He makes woman. He makes woman out of the rib of the man. And ladies, if you've ever wondered why you can cut so deep to a man's heart, it's because you, you originally guarded it. You kept it safe. It's a part of who you are. Uh, and then he says this. God says to us in Genesis 1, 31, he says this. I, I love this. He says, well, you know, um, he says, I see everything that I've made now, and, and it's, it's now very good. Genesis 1, 31, God says it's, it's very good. And girls, I want you to catch this. Ladies that are here today, I, I want you to just... Soak this in just for a second. Because you look in the mirror sometimes and you see everything that's not there. You, you have self-image and you sometimes erode that image. You call yourself a myriad of names. You wish you looked like a myriad of other different people. It's like this constant battle where you are comfortable in your own skin 
and you cut your hair and you change your hair and you lose weight and you get plastic surgery and the people go on this quest because they don't feel good. They don't feel beautiful. And ladies, I just want to pause and just take a minute for you because I want you to know that the God that made the earth saw that everything was good until you got here. And then it became very good. This earth is just a dark, bleak place without women on it. This earth is just good without you ladies here because you are very good. You are beautiful, fearfully, and wonderfully made. And when you look in the mirror and you hear a different voice speaking to you, hear the very narrative trapped in ink and paper in the book of Genesis that the earth was good and then you came and that's when it became very good. That, that is good news. Amen? It's, it's this idea that some things are better together, like us. Some things are, are, are better together. So I was thinking about today. If there's one person on earth one person that walked on this earth that could do life alone, that would sort of supersede the math, that wouldn't have that some things are better together applied to them. If there's one person that could decide to do it on their own, they have the strength, they have the power, they have the ability. If there's one person that have ever lived to be able to, to, be able to face the things that they face by themselves because of the power that's in their hands, if there is one person that doesn't need a symbiotic relationship, that doesn't need community, that doesn't need anybody else, it would probably be Chuck Norris. <laughs> Think about it. Okay, I submit to you it's probably not Chuck Norris, but it possibly is Chuck Norris's father. <laughs> possibly. I mean, even Chuck Norris, even Mr. T, Mr. T, it needs the A-team. Because some things are what? Together. Now, now, in all seriousness, if there is one person that could maybe do life alone without other people, that could maybe do what sometimes we think we can do, it, it probably would be Jesus. I mean, in Colossians 1.13, this is who Jesus is. He rescues us from this domain of darkness, transfers us to the kingdom in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For him and by him all things are created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. The very breath that's in your lungs, the very synapses and sinews and bones and ligaments in your body are held together right now because of Christ. Jesus holds all things together. He holds you together. He's holding all these things together. This is who he is. 
He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn of the dead so that himself will have first place in everything. We can go through this. This is who Jesus is. So if there's one person with that kind of power, maybe he could, maybe he could do it on his own. But we don't see that playing out in Jesus' life. Uh, if you have your Bible, flip over to Matthew 4. We don't see Jesus attempting to do things on his own. We see him living to this mantra that some things are what? Some things are what? Better, Better together. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. Now, before I read this text, a little backstory about how it would work if you were a rabbi. If you were a rabbi, you have a yoke. In uh, Hebrew times, even to this time, if you're a rabbi, a teacher of the Torah, you have a yoke. You have a, a, a way of interpreting the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Pastor Jerry in Soul Sanctuary has a yoke. It has a way of interpreting the scripture. It has a way of speaking to culture. There's something about this church that you can't always put your finger on it, but it's different than the other church you went to because it's a yoke. Because um, you, you belong here, and then you become after... Like, it's this sense where you, you just fit, come as you are. And then let God work on you and bring you who you're to be. It's a way of doing life. And rabbis have a yoke. They have an interpretation of the Torah. And if you had a rabbi uh, or a choice of other rabbis and you wanted to be a Talmud or a student or you wanted to be a rabbi someday, you find a rabbi that you like, that you see their yoke being displayed, their interpretation, and you walk up to that rabbi and you go, can I be your student? Can I be your Talmud? Can I be your disciple? You would ask the rabbi if you could be their disciple. You would pick a rabbi and then go do that. It's like if you wanted to be a plumber, you pick out the trade school that you want to go to or the plumber that you want to apprentice under. And the first thing the plumber tells you is he goes, okay, step one, get a, get a mid-80s Astro van, get, get some pants that don't fit and show me just about that much butt crack and you're going to be great. Step one, is there any plumbers here? Okay, I'm sorry I offended your craft. <laughs> but if you wanted to be a student of a rabbi, you find them, and then you go ask that rabbi, can I be your student? That rabbi would look at you, and they'd say, you know, uh, you're doing pretty good with your uh, studies. Your memorization is, is fine. But um, to be honest with you, I, I don't really like your red pants. So go and, go and do what you're going to do, but just you can't do it here with me. Oh, then you would go, man, well, I got looked over from that rabbi, so I'd go to another rabbi and say, hey, rabbi um, uh, looked me over, so I was wondering, do you think I could be your student? Do you think I have what it takes to follow you? And that rabbi would look at you and say, you know, I, I'm kind of in agreement with him, so why don't you just go back to your family business and, and, and go back, and if your dad's a fisherman, go be a fisherman. If, if you uh, make tents, go, go make tents. If you own a, a cookie business, go make cookies and do it to the glory of God the best that you can. And you would go back to what you do. Now, if, if you were looked over, you, in a sense, sort of didn't get the job you applied to. Have you ever felt that way? Looked over, bypassed? So this is the backstory of how choosing a rabbi, 
the student would choose the rabbi. Jesus is walking uh, along the road. He's walking beside the Sea of Galilee. It's on the screen, Matthew 4, 18 through 20. He's walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He comes to a place where he sees two brothers, Simon and Peter, Simon who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. They had been overlooked. They didn't have what it takes to be someone else's disciple. And guess what Jesus says to them? Hey, come follow me. A rabbi chooses disciples. The disciples didn't choose the rabbi. Because Jesus knew that some things are better together. I mean, Jesus needed the disciples just as much as the disciples needed Jesus. He also chose Judas, by the way. He chose Judas. If he chose Judas, what makes you think he can't choose you? I mean, if he chose Judas, the one that would betray him uh, and have a um, sort of a hidden ticking time bomb below the surface of his life, if he chose Judas, what means in our minds that he can't choose you? Judas, you can read about his story. He hangs himself after betraying Christ. He's away from his community in isolation and the enemy knows that some things are better together. And if he can get you away from the people that keep you strong when you're weak, your life ends or seemingly feels that way sometimes. Because some things are what? Better together. There's some math that we is greater than me. When do you think, uh, when do you think we need this most? This community that surrounds us. I had a friend that was fired from a job. I just happened to be coming through their city after he was blindsided by this release of his employment. Yes, it's true. There were some things he just wasn't doing. He wasn't stewarding his job description. He wasn't working uh, with integrity and in all things. And the truth is, is there were some definite glaring opportunities for him to grow into and so it possibly was it was one of those moments where maybe he didn't see it coming and maybe it's God just sort of resetting this process well whatever we want to hypothetically say happened in the moment I do know what happened after the moment after he was let go from his job uh, 15 people are at his house surrounding him in that moment uh, they had a barbecue and celebrated the new chapter of his life that had just ended and the one that was going to come. They wrote handwritten notes of encouragement. They took a gathering and passed a hat. It, it literally was, was a Calgary Flames hat. They passed it around the circle and people just, 15 of their friends, just put a bunch of money, everything they had in it, all the way around and they gave him this just because they knew for the next couple weeks he was going to need some help to buy groceries. And in that community, I saw it displayed that some things are, are better together. I remember um, a few times throughout my life when I was traveling internationally, this happened. But one time as a high school student in Kenya, Africa, I went to Kenya, um, to Nairobi actually, on a short-term missions trip in the little town um, called Juja. And 
after the week of ministry, a, a mother came up to me and as a high school student, I remember the conversation through the interpreter where this mother wanted to give my father and me her baby. She knew that some things were better together and she couldn't, she couldn't fulfill that for her child. And so she asked me and my dad to take that, to take that child. Now this is outside, um, this is outside of a project. This is outside of a ministry. This is um, where the community wasn't. Do, do you know why World Vision works so well in the world? I'll, I'll tell you why World Vision works. Um, because they know that communities matter and some things are better together, like you and a child in abject poverty, like us in a community, as a community, with another community. In Tunio, Africa, by the way, 150-plus children are sponsored by people in this church um, because some things are better together. I've seen these places where people are trying to give their babies away, and I've seen the communities where Churches like Soul Sanctuary are partnered with communities like Intunio and they are making a difference. They are changing lives where mothers aren't giving away their babies, they're raising their babies. Because some things are, are, are better together. Uh, a couple had a baby boy Upon the delivery of this baby boy, they celebrated immensely. And then this baby boy turned two, and then this couple decided to start trying to have another child. And, and in this moment of having this child, the expectation grew, and the joy started to well up. As the pregnancy progressed, the nursery was painted, the bags were packed, the toys were bought, the names were chosen only to have this father only have this father carry this this baby that was birthed in their downstairs bathroom prematurely connected to his wife taking this baby and this child to the hospital what happened after that was the community that surrounds those people, uh, made them meals for weeks, encouraged them for months, literally came alongside. And I don't think my wife and I would have made it through that if, um, if some things were better alone. Because some things are better together. When do we need community most? It's when it rains, when it pours, when it feels like tragedy is just all around, when darkness abounds. When do we need community most? We need that covering. We need that community when, when it gets tough. In the Old Testament, you can read about a community one that, to borrow our theme for the weekend, and I just simply do want to say, uh, the next time you do the Soul Conference, the next time you do that as a church, um, don't miss what God has for you. Don't, 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 don't miss the moments as a church, 
that he wants to do here? Because if you weren't here, you can listen to some of the messages. And yes, you can, you can probably access some of the video content that was, that was spoken. But God had special moments that had nothing to do with this moment. And it's about us putting ourselves in that place. And so the next time you do this, I'm just simply saying, uh, don't miss it. Uh, this blank space was our theme. And there's a community that closes in the blank space. That's what community does. It closes in this blank space. And there's, there's this moment after the plagues of Egypt in the book of Exodus, there's a tenth plague that's going to happen. And God's plan is this. For the community to close in the blank space, to gather in these houses and take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost of the house, making the letter in Hebrew for grace. And it is formed over the doorpost, the blood of this lamb. And then this angel, this, this death angel comes. You can read about it. It passes over. There's this feast that's celebrated even to this day called the Passover where death has to pass over. It starts with this lamb and the blood is at the doorpost and death comes knocking and it has to pass over. The community is under a covering, under an umbrella. In the Old Testament, it's the it's the blood of a lamb. The book of John, the writer says this, that Jesus is the lamb. In the Old Testament, it was a lamb. In the New Testament, Jesus is that lamb. In the Old Testament, it was a house you put the blood on. In the New Testament, you, you are the house. And death has to pass over you when you are underneath this covering, underneath this umbrella. Ella, Ella, hey, hey. Some things are, are better together. I've got a couple thoughts on, on just community. I think community is a lot like a covering. It's a lot like a shelter, especially when it rains. That's why some of you go to church here. Because it, it was pouring. Death Divorce, diagnosis, disease, and you found a shelter. You found a sanctuary for your soul. There's a covering. It's like a shelter. I think there's a second aspect of community that I want you to understand is not only is it like an umbrella, it is the math that adds up, that, that, that we is greater than me. There's a third thing that I think about community. It closes in the blank space that sometimes we don't articulate, but it, it like moves us to a place where we feel that space closed in and the closeness of brotherhood and sisterhood, it, it's different and it changes the game. I also think community is bigger than we think. Our community is larger than we realize. Um, have you ever had to borrow a dollar from somebody? Like, have you ever had to, like, you're, you're at a meter, um, and you have to pay for parking, and it takes a loony, and you're like, oh, man, I am, I am out. And your buddy or your sister or your brother or your, someone in your life, in your community is right next to you, and you're like, hey, could I borrow a buck? And they're like, no, no problem. Has anyone ever asked you that? Like, in the line at Tim's? 
uh, where you can probably still get a coffee for a dollar. Starbucks, you have to finance your house. <laughs> and they, they, you're a dollar short, and you're like, hey, could I get a, could I get a dollar? And your, your friend in community says, no problem. I mean, have you ever just given someone a loony? No problem. It's just, we don't even think about it. It's like second nature. It's like, oh, they're in community. They're my friend. They need a dollar. They need a loony. I got a loony for you right here. In fact, anybody got a loony for me right now? I, I, let's pretend I got to get on the bus and I'm your friend and we're in community. Just take your dollars and throw them at me. No, seriously, take your loonies and just chuck them up here. Anybody else? Come on. I, I want money flying on this stage. Anybody else? Oh, here comes one. No, throw it right at me. Close. Anybody else? Okay, that was unnecessary, sir. I mean, like, side-armed it, like hockey puck to the grill. Okay, just, just stop for a second. Because if we really think about this, it's really not that hard to give someone a dollar. And you can have your money back after this, okay? Next to an offering bucket. It'll be sitting. No, you, you can have it back. I'm serious. I don't want this. I'm just simply saying it doesn't take a lot of effort to give someone in community a dollar. It's really just no big deal. It's like, hey, you know what? Here you go, Lindsay. Uh, if you need to pay for parking, you can do that. Here's a toonie. This is double. You're a visitor, right, Mr. Beard? Here, why don't you trim that up uh, with that? <laughs> it's looking a little gangly, but whatever. Uh, hey, Joe. Joe, you're Filipino. There you go, man. Uh, and you know what? I just want to say... To the interpreter, thanks for all your hard work. I'll just give this to you. And I'll put it right there, because you can't grab it, because you're interpreting. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not hard to give someone in community uh, that is doing life with you, that's in your life, that, that, that is a part of your life, a dollar. We don't even think about it. Then why is it so hard for us to give a child a dollar? Why is it so hard for a dollar a day to, to, to give a child food all day, every day, in Tunio, Africa? Because, because our version of community is small. Our, uh, our gaze is, is narrow. The community is bigger than this room. The community is far larger than, than we think. And that's why we, we have trouble giving to these children. It's not because they're not safe. I mean, it, it's not because uh, World Vision isn't doing it, isn't making a difference. The, the largest freshwater supplier on the earth right now is World Vision. Like, more people drink out of clean wells that World Vision has, has provided through sponsors like you, sustainable water source than any other ministry organization on the earth. That's amazing. It's not that Pastor Jerry lets anybody up on this stage. Do you know that the steering committee and the people in this church protect you intentionally? They're not letting somebody up here that's going to take advantage of you. Those aren't those things that keep us from sponsoring children. What keeps us from sponsoring a child, from, from like literally reversing the story of the mother that wants to give the baby to the mother that is going to raise her child, what keeps us from doing that is our narrow vision of community. Because when we start talking about children, Children for a dollar a day, we would give it to someone in community so easily, but to them, it's, it's, they're, not a part, they're not a part of our, our, our life. So it's hard. I, um, 
simply want to celebrate something quickly. Guys, if you want to cue that video, there is an amazing moment that happened with the village in Tunio, and I want to celebrate this. Um, the, the staff and some specific sponsors were able to meet some of their children and the pastor, and I just want to bring you a little bit up to date about the work that this church is doing in community, with community, because some things are better together on the other side of earth uh, in their little place called Tunio, Africa. Watch the screens. things are what? Better together. I uh, have a twofold challenge where the rubber sort of hits the road for you. If you currently do not sponsor a child with World Vision, I would encourage you in Tunio, Africa, there are beautiful children waiting for you to sponsor them. This little guy named Christopher, this little girl named Janet, Jesus says, what we do to the least of these, we do unto him. He also says, what you didn't do to the least of these, you didn't do unto him. And we have a choice. He gives us a choice. Our community and our version of that community determines which choice we make. And some things are better together. Like a child and you. Like a person in abject poverty and a person here in this room. I have found in my life, in my own sponsorship of children, through many of the organizations that work with children, 
from World Vision to Compassion to IJM, we could go through the list. I have found that these children rescue me from the ghetto of my wealth as I rescue them from the ghetto of their poverty. Because some things are better together. If you don't sponsor a child in Tunio, join us. Because 150 plus lives are being moved into a covering, into the math that we is greater than me, into this palpable space that's closing in and there's a closeness that we can articulate and we see on film because some things are better together. If you currently sponsor a child with World Vision or another organization, I want to encourage you, uh, I say this a lot, you can sponsor another child, I'll let you do that. Uh, if, if you ask me, I met a seventh grade girl who's now in the eighth grade and now in the ninth grade and she sponsors nine children and she started when she was in the seventh grade. That's challenging to me. You can sponsor another child. If you're a parent, sponsor a child for every child you have. A grandparent, do the same. There are business owners and people in here in this room that have um, the blessings from God. And you could sponsor 20 kids and you wouldn't miss a beat. Nor would soul sanctuary miss a beat. Uh, some things are, are, are better together. If you sponsor a child, another child, or multiple children today, I want you to fill out step one, step two. It takes about five minutes. That's all I'm asking for five minutes. It takes 15 minutes to traffic a human technically, out of your airport in Toronto, I'm asking you for five minutes to fill out a form so this doesn't happen in Tunio, Africa, because some things are better together. Turn it in, sponsor a child. I'm going to give you a print uh, of your choice. I'm going to give you a book that I've written as a gift because I get to, not because I have to. That's my first challenge to enlarge your view of community. My second challenge for you is just simply this. If some things are better together, and if Jesus chose the disciples, he chooses you. If we see it in nature, and we see it in the animal kingdom, and we see it even in plants, this relationship that we are all invited into, I'm going to simply say to you, if you don't have a community that you call a covering when it rains... There are people in this place that want to be that community. There are friends that you are yet to make. There's math that's being reformulated even today because some things are, are better together. Now at Seoul, there's a number of different ways you can do that. There's small groups and big groups and large groups and little gatherings and big gatherings all because, because some things are, are better together. As um, Pastor Jerry comes to close, I just want to close with this thought. In 1877, there was this guy, a scientist, um, had a beard a little bit like yours, bro, um, named Albert Frank. And Albert, am I wrong? I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got a little more choppy chops there. Albert Frank used the term symbiotic as associated to science. Uh, in 1877, he says this symbiotic relationship, he applies it to science, the living together of unlike organisms in science. This guy, for the first time, uses the word symbiotic 
in science in 1877. Up to that point, up to that point, um, symbiotic, symbiotic referred to the living together in community of people. In 1866, it had nothing to do with science. The word was used for us because some things are better together. And so my challenge for you personally and my challenge for us corporately is to bring back 1866. Is to rewind the clock and for the first time in a long time realize that you were never meant to do life alone. These children are never meant to face what they face alone. Jesus chose Judas. He'll definitely choose you. It's a covering. The math changes everything. The blank space is brought together because some things, some things, unlike this microphone, some, some things are, are better together. Pray with me. As Pastor Jerry comes to close us. Jesus, I just pray that those that are here that need community, pray God that they would find it. I pray for those beautiful children on the wall, on that table, that they would be invited into someone's community. Thank you for changing the math. Some things are just better together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last night we sponsored 16 more kids in the village of Tunyo. We have over a, almost 140 children that are sponsored from this community. There's something that I've never seen before because I think Chris broke the rules, but he allowed me to see who sponsors kids here. I was able then to hook up and watch people talk to their kids via Skype. An incredible moment. I said this last night, I'll say it again today. Sometimes as a pastor, you wonder what you do is really making a difference. And I have to thank Chris for setting up that interview because when we got to have a face-to-face -face with the pastor on the other side in Tuño, this community is making a difference. You saw numbers presented last week. Uh, I think on average, this church gives about $8,000 a month to missions. That's our commitment. What we give to World Vision and Compassion is from you and over and above. Some things. Are better together. If you haven't sponsored, you don't sponsor. The table's right there. Paula and team is sitting there. Make a difference in somebody's life because the fact of the matter is, and you know it, we can all afford it. Why don't you stand with me? Eric, thank you for being here this weekend. In ancient times, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. One receiving the blessing did likewise. If you want a blessing before you go, here it is, Soul Sanctuary. May the Lord walk beside you to comfort you. And may he walk above you to watch over you. May he walk behind you to keep you safe. And he may he walk before you to show you the way. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may it be with you. And remember as you leave this place and say it with me 
that some things are better together. Be blessed. We'll see you next week.